everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor Amos Grunendijk. Thank you guys and welcome. Uh, before we get started today, I have a couple of announcements, uh, the first of which is this box here. You know that every year we do Operation Christmas Child. It's a little trickier this year. Uh, we will have boxes for you to pick up today, and this is where our Four Corners money is going. Uh, the youth are going to do a little packing party later with that money to buy gifts and to buy postage. So if you uh, would like to pick up a box, you can come in person or email us, reach out to us. We'll figure out a way. You can always drop off um, toys that you can that we can pack the boxes with uh, later. But this already happens mid-November, so it's mid-October, so it's time. You know it's Operation Christmas Child time when you start seeing Christmas decorations in Lowe's, and so that happened. Um, <laughs> Next week is the last Sunday of October, and if you remember the first Sunday of October, we did a social distancing picnic, and I wasn't sure if it was going to be any good, but I think it was awesome. Um, I feel like this is kind of our last opportunity, especially with the indoor service starting November 1st, but uh, it's again, it's a bring your own chair, it's a bring your own food, it's sit together with your families, but people stayed till two, even three o'clock in the afternoon. It was just cool to be around people, and uh, as I said a month ago, it's a joy to see you. Like, seeing you brings me joy, and I know that that's reciprocal when you get to see each other. That's the last Sunday of October. The first Sunday in November, you guys know, is not just the indoor and outdoor service option. It's the last Sunday before the election. So what we're going to do is we're going to make that another day of prayer and fasting. Uh, There'll be more details in the weekly email about that. You can sign up for a slot. It'll again be all virtual. And uh, I just feel like the last time we did this, it was a super powerful day. So again, details coming. Last thing before we get started is, as you know, we've been. Last thing before we get started is, as you know, we've been looking at Jesus' teachings in Matthew five to seven. If you were just to pick up the New Testament and start reading through, uh, one of the places you would pause is in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, next week we'll be talking about love your enemies. This week is kind of the passage that leads up to that. Uh, but we've been practicing this idea of loving our enemies, and we'll continue to do this throughout the month by praying for these two guys. You may have already voted. Uh, I imagine that many of you have made up your mind to vote, but what I'm asking you to do today is to pray for the person that you're not voting for. Uh, And if you're you're not voting, period, then I would say you get to pray for both of them. (laughs) Uh, But the idea is not Uh, prayers that make them change to be more like you, they would be prayers of like goodwill, prayers that they would have uh, good relationships and an experience of God and wisdom and peace and joy. And so I'm just going to give you again today like 20, 30 seconds or so to pray for uh, 
President Donald Trump or uh, candidate Joe Biden. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Maybe our first prayer today is that you would change our hearts to help us love our enemies. And we now ask that you would bless both of these men. And we do now continue to pray in our own words wherever we're viewing from. So Jesus, we turn our hearts to you uh, as we engage in today's service. We ask that you would change our hearts. We ask that we would make you the center, not just of this time, but of our lives. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us and that you would meet us here wherever we're coming from and whatever we're headed into this week. Help us to love like you. We pray this in the resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to start today by reading you this quote. You get the quote up. Uh, this is a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. Many of you know who that is. But I think this applies to our passage today, not just because Martin Luther King Jr. draws inspiration from the Sermon on the Mount, for his nonviolent activism, but I think he's putting his finger on a truth here that um, really expresses or explains some of how we all are to one degree or another. He says, one of the great tragedies of life is that people seldom bridge the gulf between practice and profession, between doing and saying. How often are our lives characterized by a high blood pressure of creeds and an anemia of deeds? I love that phrase because I think when we get into our creeds, when we get into our beliefs, if we get into the, I believe this and this, our, our blood pressure goes up and our, our uh, like defense mechanisms engage and our fight or flight gets activated. But he says, a high blood pressure of creeds and an anemia of deeds. We talk eloquently about our commitment to the principles of Christianity, and yet our lives are saturated with the practices of paganism. We make our fervent pleas for the high road of justice, and then we tread unflinchingly the low road of injustice. This is the agonizing gulf between the ought and the is, and that is from his book, Strength to Love. I hope that something you can see yourself progress in throughout this series is taking the words and love of Jesus and living out those words. Not just an I agree with Jesus, like I'm going to read this passage and many of you will agree, some of you will disagree maybe, uh, because these are difficult words, but nobody wins any points for walking away and say, I agree with Jesus. We want to live out the life and teachings of Jesus in our context. And, and I hope that as we have been progressing through the Sermon on the Mount, you've noticed some of your attitudes changed, you've noticed your heart changed, you've noticed because of those things, like the behaviors in your family and work have 
changed. Uh, some of you have been getting texts from the church if you're on our Vineyard Resource Share just with more practical, like try doing this uh, in the coming week, right? Pay attention to the ways that you're getting angry. Seek out someone to forgive. Uh, just ways to really live this out. And so I hope that that would continue uh, and be uh, in the forefront. In other words, I, it, it, the question becomes like, are you reading books about injustice or are you living a life of justice? Do you read books about caring for the poor or have you found someone living in poverty to love and care for and be with and serve? Jesus pushes us toward a life of love, not just an attitude of love. But you'll see, just as he will point out today, is the only hope you have is if you have a transformed heart. The only way that you can possibly live out these teachings is not by trying to draw lines and follow rules. There's something that has to change on the inside. And so here in Matthew 5, verse 38, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile with them, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, some of you, again, as I said, hear that and are like, that is amazing. That would change the world. That, I, I want to be more like that. And others of you are thinking, Jesus, what? that's cute. That's nice of you to say. That's, that's not the real world. That's not business. That's not real life. But it's one of these moments, I think, as we read these words, turn the other cheek, hand over your coat as well, go with them two miles, give to the one who asks, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you, is that we now can check how our lives are tracking. Here we've got, we've brought back the Jesus compass. And this is one of those moments. Am I going to live my life the way I want to, the way my experiences have taught me to live? Or am I going to trust that the teachings of Jesus are right and true? and will bring a kind of fulfillment that money and power cannot bring. In other words, when I look at Jesus, am I looking at Jesus through the lens of my politics, through the lens of my philosophy, or am I looking at my philosophy and my politics through the lens of Jesus? Are my politics informing how I hear Jesus, or is Jesus informing how I hear the politician or the teacher, or the business strategies that I'm engaging with. This is one of those moments, guys. Is Jesus the Lord of your life, or just giving you some advice, guidelines that you can kind of take or leave? Well, I think one of the hard things about this um, passage in particular is that it is often made to say some things that it's not meaning to say. 
And so you need to hear that Jesus is not saying that you need to put up with abuse if you're suffering from abuse personally or if you're seeing abuse somewhere else. He's not trying to write laws for the 21st century United States of America. He's doing something, in fact, more radical than that. He is saying, I am bringing a kingdom to which we are giving our hearts allegiance, and this is how your life looks like in relationship with people. And so he's not saying self-defense is wrong. He's not saying all wars are wrong for Christians to be in. There are some people who interpret it that way, but I don't think he's necessarily speaking to that. Uh, and then one of the other like tensions that we hold here because of that kind of how are you going to live your life personally and how are we going to like have a society that is stable is you have a tension between justice at the societal level and mercy at the personal level. So the Bible and Jesus himself speaks all the time about justice and, and, and where we need to fight for justice. And here we're hearing him say, sometimes personally, I'm asking you to lay down your own rights. So let's walk through this. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. This is actually law for the people of the time, a law that is written in the Old Testament. It comes up in, I think, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy uh, at one time or another. This is actually a little less harsh than it comes off because in ancient times, of course, without this law, uh, the cycle is that of revenge. So the way revenge works is you might steal one of my sheep, and then I uh, come and kill you and your entire family because I'm angry and I'm exacting revenge. This actually makes for a more just society than a revenge-based society. So this is, a, this is in some ways merciful or full of grace for the time. Of course, there is a downfall to this, and this downfall is somewhat hard to quantify because we all know, if we can just take a step outside of our own experience, that if you do something to me, I'm going to perceive the wrongdoing as greater than you see it or than you intended. And so there's this imbalance of when I'm caused pain, I'm going to think it's a, an 8 out of 10, and you maybe didn't even know that you said anything harmful or wrong or did anything that, that was that big a deal. You walk away and you forget about it. So what happens is if I repay you, eye for eye or tooth for tooth or life for life, things escalate real fast. And they did, a, they did a study on this, and, you know, it's hard to quantify emotional pain, but they took someone and they slapped them on the wrist with a certain amount of force. And they always recorded that pain as more painful than, or, or as more force than was given. So if they were to, in turn, slap the other person back, it would be a little bit harder, and it would get harder and harder and harder. And I imagine that it, that sometimes ended in a fist fight. So there's a limit to the uh, command, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And it, it, it was only ever meant to limit revenge, but Jesus is wanting more for you than just a limit on your impulse to revenge. He wants to replace that revenge with something. He wants to go to a place that will actually change your life and change the world. And so he says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, 
do not resist an evil person, and I will just add a theological phrase here to help us understand that. Do not resist an evil person with evil. In other words, do not retaliate with what you were caused by. Um, and there's, there's obviously places in the Bible where it does tell us to resist an evil person, so I don't think Jesus is saying don't resist evil. Don't stand up for what's right. He's just saying don't repay, like an eye for an eye or a tooth for a, no or a tooth. Don't repay evil with evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek as well. Now, I said already this is not uh, opening up the door for abuse or shutting down any uh, self-defense or certainly not the need to defend others. But think about it for a second. We're not going to practice this, but if you're getting hit on the right cheek and you're standing in front of me, what does that mean? What, what part of your hand are you hitting me with? Well, you're either hitting me with the back of your right hand, again, the society where everybody kind of assumes that you're right-handed, sorry, lefties. So you're getting hit with the back of the person's right hand, which is not meant to cause pain so much as insult. Uh, the other option is, of course, that they're hitting you with the left hand, uh, which would have also been disgraceful because the left hand was considered the dirty hand again. Sorry, no offense to lefties. But uh, I lived in the Middle East for a while, and you knew never to shake someone's left hand because that was the, um, that was the wiping hand, and there was no toilet paper back then and no uh, antibacterial soap. Sorry, too much information. The point is, is Jesus is actually talking about insults here. So when you're insulted, the normal thing to do would be to retaliate. If you're insulted, you insult back. And Jesus is saying, I am proposing something different. To love the person who insults you means to turn the other cheek. In other words, you meet insult with vulnerability. To turn your cheek is a vulnerable position. It's a, it's a turning towards someone relationally instead of hitting back or running away, right? The fight or the flight. Now, you might be like uh, like me. I'd probably hit and run, right? That would be like the safest thing to do. But, but Jesus is saying, no, neither fight nor flight. You're actually taking a step of, this, and this is the, the genius thing, by turning the cheek, you're neither um, running or escalating or accepting that what the person has done is all right because you're standing your ground and you're, you're, you're choosing to engage with them in a way that opens up relationship rather than closes it down. Now, I know that you might not be in very many fist fights, and I have personally never been slapped, but this idea, this impulse toward revenge, uh, I'm sure is in you. So for instance, has anybody ever forgotten your birthday, someone you're married to perhaps, and what's, what's the response? Well, no romance for the month, right? Like, has anybody ever, uh, because some socks were left on the bathroom floor, ended up with all their dirty laundry piled on their bed? Right? This is what Jesus is trying to heal in us. He's trying to sap the power of revenge with love. Next thing he says is, and if anybody wants to sue you 
and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Okay, this is one of those things where um, th there's an injustice being exacted here, right? Like maybe the person being sued is in the wrong, but to sue someone for their shirt, like for the shirt off their back, we already kind of get the sense that this is unjust. But what's, a what's actually true here is there's technically no law against taking someone's shirt. There is a law at the time against taking someone's cloak, which would have been like a coat that is also your pillow, that is also your blanket, that protects you from the elements. So they found, a, in a sense, a legal loophole. Like the, the, the law of the land, and the Bible actually says this, you cannot sue someone for their cloak. Uh, I think by implication, they're also saying don't take the shirt off their back. But in other words, like there's, this, there's an injustice done to you when they ask for your shirt. And the response to offer them, their, them your cloak is actually taking the route of love, which includes the belief, I guess, that love is greater than fear and love is greater than hate, but, but it's, it's standing up. It's showing that you don't have power over me I trust my life and well-being with Jesus. So you're committing an injustice to me. I'm going to return your injustice with generosity. That is radical. This is, this is not typical wisdom. This is kingdom ethic turning the world upside down. But this is the kind of stuff that can really change people. Eye for eye, tooth, tooth for tooth, insult for insult, sued for suing, sued back and forth. Like this is the cycle of destruction and of despair and of hurt and of pain. You want to have good relationships, you return people's injustice towards you with generosity. If anyone forces you to go one with them one mile, go with them two. Any, uh, any Roman soldier living in the land of Israel at the time, Judea, had the legal right to ask you to carry their armor for a mile. We don't know this experience because we, in our lifetimes, certainly, and in this country, really, not since the Revolutionary War, have had, well, Civil War, have had like this kind of occupation by enemy troops in our territory with the right to, you know, give me food if I ask for it, carry my armor if I want to. But this, this would be like really offensive for a, a Judean who had a sense of like national and religious pride that was combined to have an enemy ask you to carry the armor. So again, the natural kind of human response would be like, you know, long live Judea, down with Rome. I'm not carrying your armor, forget it, right? And that would be the patriotic thing to do. But here Jesus is saying, respond to their force with something even greater. I'm going to walk with you for two miles, not because I have to, but because I choose to. Final thing here that Jesus said, I, I just think these examples, again, maybe a little culturally out of 
out of our experience because of the time and place is so different. But these, these are poignant. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Um, <clears throat> this is often applied to, you know, when you're walking down maybe the streets of Philadelphia and somebody asks you for money. And I think these things get lumped together. And, and Jesus is not saying always that it is appropriate to give people whenever they ask or whatever they ask. So if you have kids, you know that this wouldn't go well. This would not be a recipe for like um, raising children. You give your kids everything they ask you. But when your kids ask you for something, if you love them and are in a good mood, perhaps, if you're exhibiting like the kind of parenting you want to be, you turn toward them. Did you catch that? Jesus doesn't say give them whatever they ask. He says, do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you, which is, again, different than human uh, sort of typical response because when somebody asks me for money, I, I have and I want to just keep walking. And I can justify that in my mind by saying they're just going to use that money to buy alcohol anyway. Jesus is saying don't necessarily give them money, but don't turn away from them either. Uh, I personally, I started carrying Subway gift cards, uh, and it's amazing, and I, I, I believe that a lot of people who are asking for money do need it, the kind of response I get when I turn toward them instead of away. It's still one of those moments, though, where there's like a, your defenses go up, like, what am I going to do when someone asks me for money? And that... That kind of brings me to these oranges. It could have been like, uh, I guess, Fruit Month on the Great British uh, Vineyard Show. Uh, if you know the Great British Baking Show, you maybe get that. But uh, we've gone from watermelon to pumpkins to now oranges. And I bring an orange because I want to ask you this question. What comes out of you when you get squeezed? So when you're in a high-pressure situation, when you're stressed out, when somebody has insulted you, when you uh, have been treated unjustly, what comes out of you? What comes out of your mouth? What goes on in your heart? Is it anger? Do you get mean? Do you get defensive? Do you want to repay the person eye for eye, tooth for tooth? I, I'm not going to make you feel guilty for that. Like, that's kind of exactly what I would expect, and it's not the life Jesus wants for any of us. What Jesus is proposing here is what's inside is what's going to get squeezed out when under pressure. And what I want to get squeezed out of my life is the Holy Spirit and the love of Jesus. And I think you want it too. The question is, how do I get from where I am to where I want to be? Because this is, uh, I mean, this is, this is too hard for anybody to do on their own through sheer willpower. To have my heart be in such a place where when I am insulted, I am overcome with love and compassion. And it's not 
Um, it's not, what Jesus is saying is not, well, if you just understood where the person was coming from, then you would feel empathy uh, and, and they deserve it. Those things might be true, and empathy is a good thing, and uh, there's a certain level of human dignity that everybody deserves. But Jesus is not saying, uh, as you read forward in the passage, you, you'll see this more clearly, He's not saying that you do it even for them. He's saying you do it for me. You do it for your Father in heaven. So you don't serve the poor because they are grateful. You do it because Jesus proclaims a message of generosity and justice and love. And in God's kingdom, you care for the poor. And that's not ultimately going to come by the way you vote in November. Hopefully the words of Jesus inform how you vote and not the other way around. But the world is not going to change if Joe Biden gets elected. And the world is not going to like be a perfect exemplification of God's kingdom if Donald Trump gets elected. The world will change as the followers of Jesus live out the life and love of Jesus. And this draws us to care for the poor and love our enemies. And man, that's hard. And it doesn't come... <laughs> by uh, pay an insult with vulnerability. Odds are that the time to work on that inside of you is not in the moment that you are insulted. <laughs> uh, odds are that the best time to work on that is before and after the insult. Before, as you do some self-reflection on what's going on in your heart, and after when you've kind of screwed up again. Uh, we call that kind of in the church world an examine, where at the beginning and or end of your day, you look forward and say, I want to be this kind of person. And at the end, you say, where have I kind of fallen short? I want to love like Jesus. I want to, to use the words of Martin Luther King, I want to have deeds to follow up my creeds. course, that's not going to happen. This kind of change doesn't happen through just self-reflection. This kind of change, you need, second of all, you need other people. You need community to encourage you and support you. This is a little different than I think an accountability group where people say, did you love like Jesus this week? Did you uh, turn towards someone who asked you for something? Did you repay insult with vulnerability? Did you repay injustice with generosity and, and make you feel guilty about it? I think uh, and we do this in life groups with some rhythm, like what is God up to in your life? We give people sh time to share how they're doing. And that could include like this is, if you're, if you're doing it with vulnerability, this is where I screwed up. This is where I want to get better. This is how I want my life, my heart, my thinking to align with Jesus. So it's it's getting out your Jesus compass with yourself and with others. But thirdly, guys, this is still not enough. Believe me, I've tried it. 
you need to ask God for help. You need the Holy Spirit. This is the presence of God in your life to change your heart. And this is something that comes through prayer and time with him. And again, I don't know if it's once a day or twice a day or once a week, but here's what I can guarantee you. The kind of change that leads you to the life that Jesus is talking about here doesn't come through uh, simply attending or even engaging with a Sunday service. Like, I think Sunday services are really important because they're formational. They're a time where we put God at the center of of at least an hour a week. Uh, Hopefully you feel somewhat um, encouraged or inspired, and hopefully, like even in the smallest way, when God meets you, you're changed. But you're not going to be filled by an hour one day a week. Or even if you go to life group, uh, you know, an hour on one day and two hours on another day. This is something that you need to do like every day. Turn toward God every day. Uh, Seek out the kinds of things and practices and read the sorts of books and scriptures and surround yourself with the kinds of people to draw you closer to the presence of God. And so I, I will end there and simply invite the Holy Spirit to come again. There's a phrase that I think is so appropriate. You become what you worship. You become more like the people that you worship. And so as the worship team comes up, God, we turn away from uh, our worship of money, our worship of politics, our worship of self. We want to worship you now, Holy Spirit. Jesus, Father God. We ask that you would help us to live out this kind of life, a life that is saturated with love. Help our creeds to uh, manifest in deeds, to use the words of Jesus, uh, the, the meat of my teaching is to obey my teaching. The thing that will sustain us is the life that we live, not simply the ideas that we have. And so God, help us to live that life, to practice, uh, examine, and we and. And please meet us when we do. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.